Well, let me take the opportunity to say this. Merry Christmas, family. It is indeed a good evening to be together. As we prepare for tomorrow, celebrations, only one more sleep, boys. My grandkids are over here. And, and one more sleep and we get to celebrate. Um, as I watched that video, it struck my heart very deeply that it's been 35 years, vast majority of my life, that I have been following that little baby who was born in that manger, who became Jesus, Emmanuel, the one who, the, the very name says God with us. He lived his life. He showed us how to live our lives. And then he did one step more. He went on that cross and he died for each one of us to take the sins that are ours upon himself. And all we have to do is receive him as savior. Not only did he die on that cross, he rose again three days later. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to celebrate his birth. We're here to celebrate the fact that Jesus, God himself, became a man. And as I talk about my grandchildren, and you may have some children or grandchildren yourself, it really is interesting to see how our children perceive things, right? They see the world a lot different than we do, more than often. And I was reading this story that Barbara Robinson was sharing uh, about the Herdman family. This is a, a family she knew. It was in the United States, and she, she became a writer, and she wrote about this. And the Herdman boys were uh, a family that didn't have much, and they lived on the mean streets of their city, and we, they were a rough bunch. And the boys heard that if you were a part of the Christmas pageant at this local church, they would give you food before you practiced, and then there would be a huge Christmas supper when the pageant went on. And uh, so they said, we got to get in on that action. You know, us guys, we like our food. And so they did. They got in, and, and when the other children saw the Herdman boys those mean boys, coming in to be a part of the pageant, no one put themselves forward to be the lead characters. When one of the boys said, I'd like to do that, and so they got the job, and another of the Herdman boys said, yeah, we'll do that. So what it ended up was that uh, the Herdman boys, one became uh, Joseph, and another gal became Mary, and the youngest boy... Uh, little Leroy became the innkeeper. Now, little Leroy was a little slower than his brothers, and he found it very difficult through the practices to get his one line out that was so important, and that line was, I am sorry, but there's no room in the inn. So he got through it, and finally pageant day came, and everybody was like, waiting with bated breath, will he get it right? And it came to his turn, and uh, as he delivered his line, he said this, I'm sorry, but there's no room in the inn. And everybody breathed a sigh of relief. But then he continued with a little ad lib, but you can have my room. And everybody just gasped. 
you know. Many people thought he had ruined the Christmas pageant because it wasn't true to what happened. And yet there were so many people that went, this was the greatest Christmas pageant that this church has ever experienced. And why? Because they saw in this little boy a heart. A heart that says, there's no room for Jesus at the end. He can stay with me. He opened his heart to Jesus. And I don't know what happened to the Herdman family. But something tells me God did a marvelous work in their lives. Well, we know the real story and that there was no room for Jesus in the inn. But the question for today is, here today, why is it that 2,000 plus years later, after this innkeeper's story, many of us still don't have room for Jesus? Why is that? Let's go to the scriptures. And Luke chapter 2, we have to read it one more time, of course. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Let's pray together. Father, as we have just read the story of Christ's birth, uh, we ask today that you would help us as we move out of 2021 and into 2022 to contemplate the rooms of our heart and our lives that we are certain that we are making available all the rooms of our lives for Jesus, King Jesus, to lead and to have absolute sway. And so, Lord, as we talk about this for a few minutes now, would you just help us to contemplate and reflect on this most important subject? Is there room in our heart for Jesus? And we pray in his name. Amen. Well, you know, uh, we read this story and, we, and uh, uh, even as uh, Michelle talked about contemplating holding baby Jesus in our arms, uh, we, we think about the access that Christ has to our lives. Can't imagine that someone would say there is no room for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Can you imagine that? Think about the innkeeper. He said no. I don't have anything for, for God. Now, let's be fair, because I think the innkeeper does get a, a bad rap too often, don't you think? The innkeeper, I don't think, had any anticipation or any reason to anticipate the visit of King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It was just another night in a very busy city. Uh, because the census had been called, the town was overflowing with people. All the places 
where somebody would get a room and board. All the, the homes where people were visiting and staying with relatives were all full. And so when you think about it, would you agree with me? Maybe the stable was the very best place for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to be born. One is just think about the, the shepherds who have this amazing visit of the angels. Uh, had they come to the innkeeper's house, he might have said, no way, you're not coming in here. The shepherds, of course, are the lowest of low in the, in the land. And they could walk right into the stable without any problem and bow down and worship King Jesus. So maybe that stable was the best. Maybe the stable was the perfect image of our great God bringing himself down to be one of us at the lowliest level, being born in a stable. What a wonderful thought that God would do that. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. John 1.1, 1, 1, and of course, verse 14, and the word became flesh. God became man, and he was born in a stable. He began his human life there. But when it comes to Jesus in our lives, really, we don't have any excuse, do we? Jesus is not a mystery to us as it might have been to the stable owner, to the, the innkeeper. Too often as Christians, we start out uh, with making room for Jesus. We receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, and then he gets relegated to the corners of our lives, to the other rooms of our lives. And most often what we do is we go by those rooms and we say, you just stay there. You just stay there. Because uh, we might be thinking, I'll come and get you when I need you. Isn't that how some of us operate as followers of Jesus? <clears throat> we relegate Jesus to a corner of our heart and our lives and only call upon him when we need him for something. Christians, why don't we give Jesus the priority of all the rooms of our lives where all the doors are open and all access is available for Jesus to have every chance to interact with us? So this morning, I did it, I did it. Somebody told me just before, don't forget, it's nighttime. This evening... I want to look at four significant reasons why Jesus too often finds no room in many of our lives. And the first reason is that we too often live our lives by compartmentalizing our faith in Jesus. Uh, if you have your Bible, I'm just going to quote Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. And I, I go to Revelation because just as we've contemplated the birth of Christ... Here in Revelation, Jesus is now gone and he is now speaking to the Apostle John in a vision and he says this years later, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. It wasn't very long after Jesus died that um, this all happened, uh, that uh, John wrote this. It was only some maybe 40 years later. But already Jesus is talking to the church of Ephesus and saying, what's happened? You've abandoned your first love, me. 
See, compartmentalization is a concept that expresses a mistaken idea that our lives should somehow exist completely independently from any other area. So we can have our spiritual life, but we can also have our life of fun in the world. And we can have both, but ne'er the two should come together or not really fully come together. Uh, It's like silos. Our lives too often consist of silos. The idea that we know we're born again if we have received Jesus. Have you received Jesus? Have you really put your faith and trust in him? Have you received him? But then too often when we receive Jesus, we are saying, I don't want God to interfere in, uh, with other parts of my life other than spiritual areas. So we will come to church on Sundays and special occasions, but the rest of the time, God, I'm, I'm good. I want to live my life as I see fit. We, we live our lives as if God should have no real say in our day-to-day, our Monday-to-Sunday lives. And I got to tell you, I, I've done that at times. There have been times that I've siloed Jesus out of the center of my life, and it's not good. I can, I can testify with clarity, that's not the way I want to live. It's like, remember if you're married, do you remember those first days when you fell in love with your loved one, your spouse? You remember those days? You wanted to spend every waking minute with them. You, you wanted to know everything about their lives. You wanted to share everything about your life. You wanted every aspect of your life to be integrated with their life. You couldn't imagine any other person being more important in your life than that one you would eventually marry. See, God, uh, that's where he wants us to be uh, in love with him so that everything is about him. Everything is about Jesus, totally devoted, completely open, totally surrendered to him. As believers, our first love must always be and always stay with Jesus. Real love is about giving access, isn't it? Total access. Someone said a long time ago, I don't know who said it, he said this, when it comes to our lives in Christ, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Just ponder that for a second. Jesus is not Lord of all. He is not Lord at all. Is Jesus Lord of all aspects of your life? Remember how Luke went on a little later in Luke chapter 6. He said, Jesus was sharing, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? And what he says is, let me in. Let me have full, unfettered access to your life. And as you contemplate this year ahead and the year behind us, this is, an, this is something deep. Am I giving Jesus full, unfettered access to my life? Remember, we're looking at four significant reasons why Jesus f- finds no room in many of our lives. And the first is compartmentalization. The second one is uh, we have too much clutter. We too often live our lives 
in Christ with too much clutter. Now, some of you right now are going, oh, my life is cluttered. It's busy. It's cluttered. Um, Whoever wrote Hebrews, we think might be Paul, the Apostle Paul, said this in Hebrews 12. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run uh, the race with endurance that is set before us, looking to Jesus, founder and perfecter of our faith. Every weight and sin, man, things get in our lives and they clutter our lives up. Some things that are, they're not sinful, but they are keeping us from that integrated life with Christ. And I asked myself this as I was thinking through this. You know, Lord, I want you to be in the the middle of my life. I don't want anything in front of you or causing anything to get between us because I deeply desire for everything I do to glorify you. And am I doing things that are glorifying you? And if I'm not, what's cluttering my life? What's in the way? How, how am I spending my life or investing my life for Christ? And if I'm going to do that, I, I better, better make sure that there isn't clutter in my life. Now, in our lives, I'm sure uh, today I just noticed in our staff room, we have a brand new microwave. Woohoo! The old one was like 100 years old. And I just was always afraid to be around it when we cooked anything. But now we have a brand new one because it helps us to get things done faster. Like our cars help us to get around quickly. Um, All kinds of energy and time-saving devices in your life. Do these things really save our time, save us a lot of time? Or what do they do really? Do they save us time and then we fill up that time with something else? Don't we? We do. Reality is we, we typically fill up, save time with other things. And the question is, are these things that we're filling up our saved time, things that bring glory and honor to God, bring us closer to Jesus? Remember, Hebrews 12, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. What are the activities that are are cluttering up our lives? Do we need to do this Christmas and this year ahead some spiritual decluttering? You know? It's wonderful. Kathy and I like to watch these television shows that help us declutter. And after we finish watching it, we go, wow, we wasted an hour watching that. We could have been doing something important. Decluttering is so important. Our lives are filled with daily choices to live a decluttered life. A spiritually decluttered life is a choice. It's a great choice. But we need to make that choice every day. Every morning we wake up. Lord, help me to see those things which will keep me from you, which will keep me busy from doing things which honor you. That's the second significant reason why Jesus oftentimes finds no room in many of our lives. Compartmentalization and clutter. Thirdly, we too often live our lives with clear 
compromise in our lives. Uh, Revelation, remember Jesus is talking uh, to the seven churches and, and this is the apostle John seeing this amazing vision and hearing these words from uh, the risen savior and he says, uh, Jesus said, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. This is a church that should be a church that is receiving the highest of praise because of how they began with Jesus. But now Jesus is saying, listen, you're neither hot nor cold. A lukewarm life, we call that. I think this is a good time of year for us to think about this. Jesus has come down. Hope has come down. Are we going to make room for Jesus? Uh, If we are, we have to decide, I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to be I want to be absolutely hot for my, in my love for Christ. Now, some of us say, oh, uh, but, you know, I, I don't want to look like a fanatic for, for this Christian stuff, the spiritual stuff. Or, uh, I, I like doing some of these things over here. And so we live sort of with one foot over here in our past life and one here in our spiritual life and we live this uh, Christianity that's sort of straddling the lines between the life that Christ wants us to live and the life that uh, a a world view that is Satan's worldview would want us to live and that's compromise the story is told by many storytellers out of history of the Christians in the time uh, when uh, Nero was uh, throwing Christians to the lions and putting them on stakes and lighting them on fire, that they would have opportunity to get away from that if they would only go and uh, as they walked by a fire that was put outside the stadium, they would take some incense and just throw it on that fire. Basically what that incense said was that we worship Nero and uh, he is our our head, our God. It was just a little incense. I mean, why not do that? You know, it's better to be uh, uh, alive and still telling people about Jesus. It's better that, you know, uh, I'm here serving God rather than dead. But many, many refused and died horrible deaths. And this is what they said. The the historians write this down in so many places. These ones who would not do that said, once man, once men catch a glimpse of the face of God, they refuse to bow to the image of a man. When we catch a glimpse of the face of God, uh, the holy one in the arms of Mary and Joseph and Jesus the one who loved people and healed people how could we ever bow to the face of a man we can't make that compromise and so many many over the years have been martyred for the sake of Christ I think it's only fair at this time we remember that this world system, this world view uh, that says you can live your own life the way you want to, even if you have this thing, Jesus, in your life, you just go right ahead. A little bit of compromise isn't a bad thing. Where God says, no, trust me, live wholeheartedly, live 
a, a non-siloed life. May it always be about Jesus in our lives. Uh, may we always give all to Jesus. Jesus said it so well, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So whether it's compartmentalizing or being too cluttered or even compromise in our lives, we need to remember that Jesus wants more than a couple hours or a small portion of our life. He wants all of our lives. He wants us to say there's absolute room for you in every area of our lives. Christians, why don't we give Jesus the priority of all the rooms of our lives with unfettered access? This is surely what he deserves and definitely what he desires. He wants all of us. Lastly, we too often live our lives seeking the greatest comfort. We live in North America here, quite different from other places in the world, and I've had a chance to visit several other places in the world. You can only imagine uh, some of those places that are even so worse off than even some of the challenging places that I visit. But it made me think about this parable Jesus was telling. And it says this in Luke 12. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. Uh, and he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, if that doesn't sound like North America, if that doesn't sound like Canada, I don't know what could. Because we li live in a country where we typically just want to be comfortable, don't we? We just want to be comfortable, and comfortable has its definition. Maybe for some that means big house, a bunch of cars, and uh, yeah, I can go to church for an hour on Sunday, and I'm good. I love Jesus. Do we ever think that that may not be what God expects that we should be wanting? Maybe he has an other, another idea. Oh, we don't want to be uncomfortable in the areas of evangelism. For example, uh, you go out and, and, and you get an opportunity to talk about Jesus and you, you, you freeze up because you're afraid maybe that person will reject you. Or, or maybe worse, you, you don't know what to say. And that makes us very uncomfortable, doesn't it? How about serving? You know, we've been saved to serve. We've talked this through at other times on Sunday mornings. And we go, oh, man, that service is like, got to get up at, uh, you know, an hour before normal to get to the church to be ready to serve and greet people. And that's not comfortable. I'd rather sleep in a little longer on Sunday. Maybe it gets down to the hard part our wallets and God says I, I need you to partner with me in reaching the lost and that means giving of your funds to ministries like your local church and that's uncomfortable because it's hard to give isn't it usually 
Uh, the last room in our lives that Jesus ever really gets into is usually the vault. Because that becomes uncomfortable. And every one of these things I want you to know that I've experienced turmoil with my life, in my, in my own life. I am not special. I am with you. These areas have been uncomfortable for me. But God wants us to stop looking at being comfortable and, being a, and more like being available. Did you ever hear of the young man who was so much in love with a young lady that he rolled her, wrote her and told her that in order to be in her beautiful presence, he'd be willing to endure the cold of the Arctic, cross the burning sands of the desert, climb the highest mountain, or swim the deepest ocean. And he closed his letter that he wrote these words in by saying, so I'll see you Wednesday night if it doesn't rain. <laughs> Sadly, for many of us as Christians, uh, it's just like this. Our faith seems to be less of a matter of commitment, more of a matter of convenience and comfort. Almost it comes from an entitled perspective. If anyone would come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. With Jesus' instructions telling us that following him meant denying ourselves and taking up a cross every day and following him, let me ask you this question. Are you willing to do that? As we begin this new year coming up, are you willing to say, Jesus, you have access to every room of my life and I will follow you wherever you take me. I believe that you will guide me and lead me. And again, as someone said, why don't you get out on a limb for Jesus because that's where the fruit is. This year ahead, if you want to find the fruit of your life, it is getting out on a limb and thinking and acting differently in some of these areas that you have put off bounds, out of bounds for Jesus. Remember the story of the young herdman boy? You can stay in my room. Will you this year, as you contemplate Jesus and, and your relationship with him, will you, will you basically can communicate that to him? Will you think, hey, Jesus, you can have any room in the heart, my heart, and my life. Will you swing open the doors to every room of your life? Will you assess what's cluttering up your lives and preventing you to be wholly engaged in God's plan for your life? Will we together agree with God and say, Lord, show me, if I'm compromising in any way, show me whatever that is and I'll get rid of that. Will we together determine to be open to the fact that living fully for Jesus might get us a little bit uncomfortable. Will we make room? That's all that Jesus wants. He just wants access to our heart and life. Every room. Will we make room? Let's pray. Father, indeed, we come together and we are so thankful to be able to take these last few minutes uh, of this year and contemplate uh, what Jesus uh, really means to me, to us. 
Yes, that baby in the stable, what a precious sight that you sent your son, God himself, and he became a baby, a man, man and God, something too great for us to fathom and to understand, but we believe it and we understand that God, Jesus, came and died for us so we might have life everlasting. Help us this year to conclude our year and begin the new, making sure that Jesus has access to every room in our lives. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.